Okay, so we better hit record on Bootstrap Web before we uh, before we talk about too much good stuff off air. So, uh, yes. So, Jordan, how's it going, buddy? This is the unscripted, unplanned, unedited version of Bootstrap Web. Every episode is basically the same thing, but right now we feel a little a little looser. We we got no plan. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we're, um, we're running I'm, blind today. Yes, I'm having one of those days. Every once in a while, the whole world just comes to you, you know, and you got to enjoy it when that happens. I just woke up and I re- read my email. I'm like, oh, that's good news. And then a minute later, oh, that's really good news. And then like a WhatsApp message, oh, hey, more good news. So I'm just rolling with it and enjoying it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm having sort of the same kind of week. It's It's been really building over the last month or two, but especially since Product Hunt, I mean, it just feels good to see a steady flow of conversions and new customers every day you know it worked product hunt it's working it really yeah product hunt worked and, and it's also it's also really cool to see a lot of the free users just converting and seeing a pretty good conversion rate there which i feel good about and then it's also surprisingly a fast conversion like there's a lot of people who sign up for a free account and, and upgrade within a day or two that's, um, I wonder if that's optimal, you know, that's great, but I wonder if it's optimal. It's kind of interesting. There's a lot I don't know. And then there's also like a lot of, I think a pretty healthy number of people just going straight to the top plan, the premium plan. I'm seeing plenty of annual subscriptions. I got a zip message in the wild two days ago, LinkedIn DM with someone and I'm talking to them about helping build a like financial model. And he pinged me a zip message of a video of him going through like, Hey, this is the type of model I can build for you. Oh, so, really? Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I mean, you know, there's, there's still so much I need to figure out too. And, and obviously the, the overall, the, the, you know, the revenue has, has been a, on a pretty good growth trajectory, but it's not really where it needs to be yet to be like a fully profitable and, and all that. But I think it's on the right track. There's, there's so much to figure out though. <laughs> I feel like that's okay. The toiling, in like obscurity, that like thing where no one knows and no one cares, right? And this is this is like why we hit record so hastily because Brian and I got into this like jubilance. Where both of us are in a similar place where we we just did so much work over the past year, and then now it finally feels like oh, it's happening. The momentum, the sales, the customers are coming in. Like oh my god, finally it's it's really happening. And there is such a great feeling it's like a this odd sense of relief and also pride and then also like oh shit i got a lot more to do yeah 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 what's i mean what's happening on your end that you could talk about it's it's a similar feeling to what you're talking about maybe not quite to the same extent right that's a i think it's going to take us another few months to get to where you are we're still slowing everything down in our early access process and people can't just come into the product and sign up for it. So we're, we're still in that phase. So I think it'll be another call it six months until we're at like, Hey, I wake up and we have, you know, three new signups type of a thing. Yeah. And, and I think just in general, it's going it, to, it, it's always very different between you, your business and mine, but I think these businesses are very, very different. Yeah. You it's know, in yeah, terms it, of the business model and the space and, and all that, like it, it's a totally different beast. You know. It's kind of cool in that way. There, there's no one right way to do it. Right. So for us, for us, it's GMV. It's how much revenue processed. And so everything's starting to kick off. And and to see the team, like the whole thing, you could feel Slack, just the whole thing come alive because customers are in the system and leads are coming in. And the sales marketing channel lights up 
you know, and I, I get the little one next to it, meaning like I was called out there and I'm like, oh, I wonder what this is. And then, you know, it's a new opportunity. And then the production, like production errors, <laughs> you know, like that channel in Slack and the conversations happening there. And then the product team moving forward on new stuff is now in development. It's like, oh my God, it's alive. It's finally, it's alive. Yeah, yeah. What are like the first things that are like popping up on your radar now that are like, I don't know, like feedback from customers or like, or questions or things that, that it's like, okay, this just popped up now. What, what do we need to do about it? Well, the thing that's really exciting to me is that everything that we're dealing with right now in the pipeline feels like it's just barely the beginning because we, we literally started ads yesterday. So we have a $300 a month budget on ads. So basically, you know, from zero to 10K a month in ads, like immediately. And that hasn't hit yet. And we have a bunch of like uh, sales outreach happening next week. And that hasn't started yet either. So all of these are from the work we did in Q4 to keep people warm. And then Q1, right, things tip over in the new year. And all of a sudden, people have much more interest in doing things, changing things, experimenting with things. That's what's happening. We also brought in that new salesperson and they bring their Rolodex and their network with them. And so all of a sudden, we have you know more new people in the pipeline. So we, we, have, we already have like several million in monthly GMV that's like in the pipeline. So I'm looking at that and I'm looking over at what I need to get done over the next few months with series A. And I'm like, if that turns into what I think it can turn into, that other thing's going to be much easier than I expect it to be, which is what I, what I want to see happen. Hell yeah. Yeah. Again, this is like a random episode. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> but what, one of the, one of the things that I still haven't quite gotten used to with a SaaS business in general is not seeing directly or being directly in touch with customers who are getting value from the product, you know, like, okay. D dig into that a little bit. You, you mean people that you don't know, didn't talk to start using the product and start paying you and you just kind of don't have any relationship. Yeah. Complete strangers on the internet, coming to the website, signing up, converting, paying, and never sending a customer support request and, and then upgrading and then expanding their account and not sending any, any any contact whatsoever to me. Okay, let's dig into that for a sec because that's that's the dream. Also, uh, of course, it's the yeah for right. sure. It's it's amazing. It's yes. I mean, literally, <laughs> literally last night when I was sleeping, we had four customers sign up, and I never felt better about that. Okay, okay, I'm, I want to connect this to remote work, but but keep, keep, uh, going, right. keep going, keep going, keep going. But it's still a part of me that that like I don't believe it. Too good, too good to be true. <laughs> yeah. Like, what am I missing? Right? Yes, like, yes. Because in like audience ops, literally every customer that that ever paid us, like I probably, well, for a while there, I wasn't doing the sales, but but most of the time that I was running it, I had a they sales had a relationship call. or they had a relationship with the company, with the person at your company. Yes. Somebody at my company they spoke to, or in most of the cases for most of the years, I at least had a 15 minute call with the person who paid money. And, and then I like, in most cases, I didn't talk to them again. They dealt with the team and that was good. But like, but I could still see the, the, the daily interaction with the team and the customers and like activity is happening. They're paying us money. We're, we're doing activity for them, right? And then even with process kit, you know, which I no longer own anymore today, it did start to veer into like, okay, now there are these customers who sign up and I never talk to them and, and they're all good. But especially in the early days of process kit, Almost every customer needed some handholding from me to get them onboarded and, and, and activated, right? 
I was doing a lot of that so, so that like even the ones who self-converted without contact, like I understood like, okay, some people can just handle it on their own. With zip message, it's so much more hands-off for me. And it's been that way since the beginning. You know, I, I do talk to customers and I, I send a lot of zip messages to customers, frankly. And, and that's always good, but that's, that's such a small minority of the customers who I actually talk to. It, it's, it's just weird, you know? <laughs> and I mean, the other thing is like, you know, and I don't like actively, like, obviously, like I, I don't like, I could see metrics in the app in terms of how much people are using it and stuff. But like, I don't really, I don't keep tabs on like how many messages is some account sending or, you know, back and forth and th things like that. And like, I always, I always sort of like forget about the fact that like, there are all these customers now that are actually using it to send and receive messages like every day. And, <laughs> and I'm, and it's, and it's just not in my immediate purview, you know? So the reason I, I said I connect this to remote work is because the, the title of this episode is going to be like the boomer episode where I, I think this has a lot to do with our, our natural discomfort for complete anonymity. I, I have the same thing around remote work where I kind of can't believe that someone is sitting in Barcelona right now that I just pay every month and they just do amazing work for us. And we just don't know each other. It's still, there's still a gap there that I have to overcome where I have to like sus suspend my disbelief there. Like, yeah, okay. I, I guess that is actually happening and that is normal now. And that this is just going to work out. It, it, there's it's still so something funny. that's. I, I run into this all the time, but I ran into it last week again, where somebody knew that I just started to get, get to know actually through some zip message conversations. He's, he's a new user and we went back and forth and, and stuff. Uh, he's based in Europe and he was giving me a lot of good feedback on, on my product. I was giving him some feedback on his product. We're going back and forth async. He was like, yeah, I, I worked with like Bean Ninjas and, you know, like Merrill and Bean Ninjas are in Australia. So it's like, this happens all the time now where, where it's like we meet someone new in our in industry circles. They live somewhere else on the globe and they happen to also be friends with or work with somebody else that we know in, an, in another continent. And that just never ceases to amaze me. It's, it's true. It's true. And, and, and so just to kind of add to that, I got a DM this morning from someone I know in Australia letting me know that one of the engineers that I used, that used to work at Cardog for us applied to a job. So like this is someone in Slovenia applying for a job in Australia with someone I know. <laughs> now, uh, that's the foreshadowing or what we can look at as the foreshadowing on why we should take the metaverse stuff seriously. Okay. Let's because it's <laughs> because it's already happening. All right, let's, let's, put, let's put a pin on that. Hold on a second. Let's leave, leave it for a sec. Tell me if this assumption's right around your discomfort. I'm projecting <laughs> the potential discomfort around having so much of your customer base be anonymous to you. Is there something that like the challenges your confidence on like, is this real? Does that mean they can leave as quickly as they came here? Am I really accomplishing what we need to, that they're going to just, just going to keep paying? Like, because you don't have that relationship and access to information, does that make you worried? Is, is, am I right to assume that? Right. So, you know, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm not complaining. This is the goal. This is, the, you know, right. running a, a, yes. a SaaS, especially this type of SaaS for me is, is the dream. I, I can't believe it's, it's starting to work. It's not, where, it's not in the promised land yet, but it's starting to work. I think to your question, there's always the, the fear of like, okay, what am I missing when is the shoe going to drop? When, when are all these anonymous users going to churn out? Because I, I'm, I'm not visibly seeing what's happening. And I feel like I, 
there are some areas where I have really good visibility into what's working and what's not in terms of metrics, in terms of the app's performance. And, and I do get some customer support requests and, and things. So I could see a little bit of what's happening there. But like, yeah, there, there's always a question of like, what are my blind spots? Right. And it's much easier to have blind spots when you just don't talk to them and they don't tell you what the blind spots are. And we we got into this at like, like again, like going back to audience ops, like whenever there was a problem, whether it's a customer who's unhappy about something or a lead that did not convert for some reason, it was always pretty clear to me what what happened and why. And then I can go diagnose the problem and the team works it out and, and we figure it out. And we don't have a churn problem right now in Zimas. Churn, churn has been actually pretty good. It's the fear of like, what do I not know? What, what question am I not asking? You know, which metric am I not tracking correctly? Which there, there have been some metrics that like, like for example, like the viral loop thing. It's like embarrassing to, to even think about this, but like, I think I described on, on some of the episodes recently that like, okay, we have respondent. You have a, you're a zip message customer or user. You send something to your client or a freelance or someone, they can respond to you. Now they are registered as a respondent user. So then they don't yet own their own zip message account, but they, they can have their own login so that they get notified. But we have a flow for them to go ahead and register their own zip message account. So respondent converting to a zip message account owner. I thought that I had good tracking when I would see like a notification of when a free signup happened. I could see whether it came from a respondent or somebody brand new who came to the website and signed up. And I found out last week that the flow for respondents registering their own account was broken, but not 100% of the time, <laughs> okay. which is like the worst kind of error. Right, exactly. <laughs> It was also mixed in with some broken tracking. So I, I, I believe that there were many respondents signing up that I was not able to see that they were in fact respondents signing up, right? And you, you need to know that. That's, that might be one of your very, very key metrics. Yeah, some were being tracked, but then somebody like a, a new customer who tried to sign up from a respondent to a regular, he was the one who reported that like, hey, I, I can't finish creating my account because I'm seeing this error. And that's when right. I identified it. So, th- Sh- so shout out th- to that person. <laughs> yeah, th- thankfully, uh, you know, he, he mentioned it to me. But like, then I, I diagnosed the, the problem and not to get totally in, into the weeds, like our, our test coverage should have caught this, but like th- there was a, a certain part of our logic that wasn't in our test suite, whatever. And so I fixed it about four days ago now. And in the last four days, I'm seeing like probably double or triple the number of respondents converting to free accounts and converting to paying customers. Like clearly it's been working, but it was invisible to me for the last like two months, you know, but there was also some portion that I think couldn't even sign up. But at the same time, our overall metrics have been pretty good. Like we've had our two best growth months in December and January. So like, again, it's like, I don't know. It's again, like, I don't know what I don't know. You know? Yeah, I don't know, but you're you're definitely get, starting to get more information, and it is not necessary to know why you are succeeding in order to succeed. <laughs> it's not a requirement that you actually yeah. understand what's happening. Um, I always think back to that because in my solar light e-commerce business, like ten years ago, we had no idea why people were buying, but they were buying a lot. And then once we learned why they were buying, and we 
had that reflected onto the site and the copy and the ads and so on. That's when things took off. It was the, the flagpole that, light, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> why, why do you keep, people keep buying this freaking solar light for, you know, a hundred dollars. It's because it reaches, it says, because one bullet point says reaches up to 20 feet and that's how tall American flagpoles are. <laughs> and then once we learn that we, we put it on the site, that, then everything clicked even more. I think the oldest uh, bootstrap web listeners will, will remember that. Story. Oh, sh- shout out to sell the light store. Hell yeah. On the other end of the spectrum is, is like the fear of technical issues. You know, I do get support requests or where, where, where they say like, oh, the video got messed up or I couldn't record. That's like one of my biggest fears with this business is that, is that like those have greatly reduced and we've done a ton of work on making it more reliable. But you know, the weird thing that happens now is, is sometimes people will will report an issue that I've just never seen happen with anyone else and I can't re- reproduce it. Right. And you just don't know if it's happening everywhere or what. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's usually that person's weird webcam or something like that. But like, yeah, it's like stuff like that, that, that happens on, on the client side is so hard to diagnose. You know? Well, you, you're not going to get to zero, right? None of us in software are going to get to zero bugs and zero issues. But you do need to remain underneath the line of too frustrating. And that line has not been determined yet. You don't know how, how sensitive or insensitive people are. We, we learned at Carthook that people were extremely sensitive to anything that got in the way of a sale. If the checkout didn't work and people couldn't buy, that was absolutely unacceptable. But on the admin side of things, oh my God, people didn't care about anything. They just wanted the functionality and we have mistakes and mess ups and all that sort of thing. So the line that you, you'll eventually find, as long as you stay below that line, and that line is affected not just by tech and value, but also by goodwill and brand and love and all that stuff. Can we dive into the metaverse or Web3 at, at all or no? Yeah, come on, let's, <laughs> let, let's, let's do it. Okay, so, so I saw a tweet today by Kaylee Moore. She's a writer in the e-commerce space. She's great at Twitter. She's cool. She's, she's great. She wrote a tweet this morning, something about like basically everyone I've met over the past five years and all my friends I've, I've met online, more than the people that I've met offline. And she was like, I guess that's kind of an argument for this metaverse thing being real. And I think all of us are kind of experiencing it in some way around remote work. I have friends here in Portland, but I talk to them on Slack. <laughs> and I see them once a month or two. And everyone else in my peer group and that I care about, including my family, I interact with online whether it's phone or online or WhatsApp or FaceTime or some combination of, the, uh, of all of them. I think where this whole metaverse thing is going, the, the, the hard part is the second you say the word metaverse, people think about Facebook and they think about the annoying people on Twitter and they think about all these things attached to it. But really it's just an improvement on what's already happening. Yeah, I think that like folks like us who who are obviously in the tech industry and we are definitely more active on social media and Slack and communicating remotely than than even a lot of our friends that are our age but not in the tech industry. Right, but look 10 years younger. And we're and we're boy scouts. We don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> we're still boomering around you know around remote work and 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 not seeing people that work for us type of a thing. Yeah. It's easier for folks like us to see the path from here to mass worldwide adoption of of the things that we take for granted today 
right? Like, I mean, we, we've started to see it in the pandemic where like my parents will use Zoom now. Because they want to see their kids. Where they didn't even know what, what Zoom was two right. years ago, right? There's that kind of stuff. But like, I still, all right, the, the big question on my mind, whether you're talking about the metaverse or Web3 is what will it take? Because I, I, I'm optimistic on this stuff too, right? Right now, it's, it's obviously still super niche, right? Which, which could make it a really great time to start investing in this kind of stuff, right? Especially if you believe it and, and, and if you could sort of see the pathway to how this grows and how this gets big. That's my question though. Like what, is, what shoes are gonna need to drop in order for, for, the, for like whatever, like web three solutions or applications or products or services or platforms to, to spill over into the wider market? Because right now, when I think about like, all right, if, if anybody is building like a, a, a new product, a startup product on web, using Web3 technology, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm an idiot with this well, stuff. I, I, I don't no, know. No, no, 100% right on any of this. But my assumption is, okay, you're building a product, you're, you're experimenting, that's cool, but your customers are the hardcore believers of of Web3 and crypto and, and metaverse stuff. Right. And it's like accomplishing something that could only be accomplished using. Yeah. Tech, like like right? when you talk about like validating a market for a new product, your your market is limited by only those people who happen to have a, an ETH wallet, you know, like. Right. Right. A hardware wallet off of an exchange. Yeah. Like, like most of the world does not have that. And no, most of the world does not know what that is. Right. So it's like, so what, what is going to need to change to get to the, to the point where my brother, who is not in the tech industry, has a wallet, you know, for, for crypto. Yeah. Like, um, I think it's just, it's a matter of time. It's a matter of time. And, and it's just this inevitable drift toward things being more interconnected. And, and I think that's kind of what starts to add more value to end customers and end businesses. And then they start to care and they don't care how it's built, right? No one cares if you're using Ruby or PHP. No one cares about that. The only thing that matters is the value that they're getting. And I think as it gets closer to that and focusing on the value that's being provided and not on the tech, that the more mainstream it gets. That's, but that's if, my question. Like, like, what is the value? What's the thing that's going to push it over the edge? Where? So I, I think what is already happening and what pushes it over the edge even more over time is the focus online the focus of your possessions and your identity online over what's offline continues. And the more that continues, the more you start to care about ownership and uh, what you can do with it and what it means. So right now people buy like a Range Rover and drive it around and it's important to them in what it symbolizes, how they feel about it, how other people look at it, how other people feel about them because they drive a Range Rover. It's like, we're human. This is the stuff that a lot of the stuff matters to us. Um, when you start to look online and care about what you own there, and that becomes increasingly important, you start to care about ownership. When you start to care about ownership, you start to think, care about things like, like proving ownership and, and you start to care about interconnectivity. So when you think about someone who's into, let's just take gaming because that's always like ahead of things. Right now, the way it's been is if I use, I don't know, here's my ignorance line. I'm going to cross over it and ignore feeling stupid. If you're, if you're, in, if you're into Fortnite 
and you are spending money there buying stuff, that becomes part of your Fortnite identity. And that is valuable, but only inside of Fortnite. When you can connect Fortnite to other games and the things that you're buying at Fortnite are, are also useful in the other games. Yeah, that, I mean, that is where we're seeing valuable. it blow up is, is gaming, right? Right, because that's just like ahead of things. Yeah, then again, it's like the question of like, okay, like like I'm not a huge gamer, right? But like, but my kid, my seven year old daughter is actually like is super into playing games and and making games and stuff like that. And like, I could totally see how obviously people in our generation are, are gamers too. But like, the next generation is e- even more, right? So right, and and their lives are more online. Then the question is like, okay, like we've seen like the sort of like experimental stuff of like remote like workplaces and these like virtual spaces and and all that kind of stuff. But like. How does that become mainstream? Is the yeah, question. Yeah, I, I think it just keeps going. If you yeah. think about something like Instagram, what is the fuel behind Instagram? It's showing off and getting a reaction. Whether whether it's our age, like here are my three kids when we went skiing, and people like it, and that feels great. And it's the same thing if I'm, you know, I don't know, some like muscle like bodybuilder or some like girl in a bikini. It's kind of all driven by these human emotions. If so, if you just keep going with that, just extend that and take the Range Rover analogy and get that into the profile picture and then your possessions, and then it starts to work across other environments. And so they're not separate. Right now, everything is separate. You literally go to a website and it doesn't know who you are. So it says, I don't know who you are. I don't know what your preferences are. I don't know what your payment info is. I don't know anything about you. So log in. And then I'll know who you are because we'll take your information from our database and we'll use it to tailor the experience to your Facebook account or your purchasing account on Amazon. Take that identity and just expand it so that you, anywhere you walk around the internet knows where you are. It's not one database. It's a shared database and it gives you a control. I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of sick of Facebook. I'm taking my stuff away. You can't know yeah. who I am anymore. All right. That, that's exactly my next question on this, right? So obviously identity is so tied into this whole whole thing, right? And people talk about Web3 and in the metaverse and everything as like the beginning of whatever, it's Web 3.0, what, what comes after Web 2, right? Web 2 was Facebook, Google, Twitter. Right. Web 1, read. Web 2, read, write. Web 3, read, write, own. How significant are the current huge companies, the, the Amazons, Facebooks, well, Amazon is kind of a different beast, but like Facebook, Google, especially those two and Microsoft, like how significant are they going to be in the Web3 metaverse right. world? It's it's hard to imagine they just throw up their hands and say, well, guess we missed it. And I guess we'll go away and die. Like that's just not going to happen. They're going to acquire, they're going to partner, they're going to do their own initiatives. They're going to They're going to be involved. They're, they're not going away, right? Zuckerberg is no fool. You can say whatever you want about him, but he ain't no fool. And watching him turn the entire company literally into meta as a new name, as a new identity, as a new brand points toward what he thinks is going to happen and what he is uninterested in missing. What he wants to do is he wants to host the party. <laughs> he wants all these different environments, but running inside of his world And he can do that in a more interoperable way because he knows if he keeps it completely closed the way Facebook is now, then he really might miss it. But if he opens up and you can use your Facebook identity, the largest 
bank of identities in the world ever. And you use that as your core identity and everything goes into it between your possessions and your payment info and your shipping info and your privacy and all the all these personal things that you want to hold on to. If you can take that as your Facebook identity as the central layer and then start walking around the internet into these different places, but using that as your core, then he wins. So that's, that's, he doesn't want to miss out on that. And you have all these other much more ideologically driven technology people right now saying, this is the war is will web three be corporate owned yeah. or will it be user owned? That's it, the it's, battle. See that that's where like, it, it is hard for me to see how it's not, how it doesn't end up still being like, I think that Facebook and, and meta meta, the company will, will be and I'm no fan of Facebook and, and Zuckerberg in, in general, but like, I don't see really any other like easier path than for that entity, the meta company to be, to be the bridge, to get my parents. That's right. It's the onboard. The that's that's and right. My the, friends and family who are not tech, right? Like that's, that's the bridge. I, I mean, you know, talking about like identity, then, then it's like, you know, Google is so tied into our, we all have Gmail accounts and Google accounts now. And it's like, you know, where, where does that fit in? And, and Microsoft seems to kind of dominate on, on the gaming side. Yeah, and Microsoft is phenomenal what, what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. So here's the interesting thing about the Instagrams, Facebooks, Googles. That model monetizes through advertising because it doesn't know how else to monetize. It says we build a thing that attracts people. And when you attract a lot of people, advertisers want access to them. You combine that with the data and then you have a money machine. So the potential in keeping those entities out of Web3 is that the business model is so upside down. It's so flipped that it doesn't rely on advertising and can rely on other types of models that th that's where the opportunity is. Because the, the, the web being monetized by ads was like the original sin. That's like, that's what, you know, marketers ruin everything, ruin the internet too. So these new models are interesting. I mean, look, this is, this is what I'm doing all day. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm looking, but for us, it's commerce, but people are doing this all over the place, right? We look at it and we say, hey, Shopify monetizes your payments and then keeps you locked into a platform and then keeps all the money for themselves and their shareholders, and we say, okay, well, what if we flip that and let the merchants own a share of the network instead of, instead of us keeping it all, right? So we're, we're trying to flip a model in a similar way that others are around things like Mirror, right? Which is like a decentralized like medium and things like Audius, which are a decentralized Spotify. So these, there's a lot of these things happening that are just trying to invert business models and say, what, I wonder what happens if we share a portion of everything, ownership with the users. If you participate in the platform, if you use the platform, you you gain you gain right. coin in that right. in that company. whether it's right whether it's play to earn in the gaming world or it's removing the middle layer like a Spotify and just giving all the money directly to artists. I guess as a, as a fanboy fanboy of Apple, obviously it, it's like. I would still like to see, I know Apple has been going down the road of like services, services, services. Like let's, you know, they, they keep trying to up, up that revenue stream. But like, if I would still love to see them remain like the premier hardware company in the world, you know, making the best computers, the best phones, the best goggles, the best cars. Like if they continue to dominate on hardware and, and let, let Facebook do whatever the hell they're going to do with Meta and like, yeah, 
No, I hear you because that that's the portal, right? I'm I'm on an iMac right now as we talk, and I have my phone next to me, and my access to any of this stuff comes from the hardware. And I agree, it is it is life is better with Apple devices. It just is. So hopefully they can maintain that and not let that drift. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that was the. Oh, we did it. We did it. We we got through an episode that we had no idea what we were talking about. I have a call in nine minutes. I'm going to continue on my my good day and ride it out to the sunset and have a beer at the end of the day. Hell yeah, dude! I'm uh, I'm off to Big Snow Tiny Comp in Vermont uh, on Monday, so I'm super psyched to get back to doing that. Nice. And then, uh, don't tell my kids, but we're going to Disney next week that they don't know ooh, about. First time nice. with the fam. We're gonna we're gonna just blow their mind by coming home from coming home from school and there's just going to be a bunch of luggage and we're going to be like kids we got oh that's awesome i know so excited (laughs) i I told that to my parents now like listen asshole sorry you're going to film that you're going to set up a phone and you're going to record that because we need to see that yeah 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 oh so no bootstrap web i will be running around trying to get myself onto the star wars ride in disneyland which i hear is good we went a couple months ago and my daughter and i waited about one hour for for the two minute ride on splash mountain and it was it was amazing (laughs) (laughs) we were doing some reading last night about like these new systems and like i don't even genie and genie plus and genie like linked Uh, line uh, experience and then we started finding websites with like these like graphics around wait times like damn yeah. Oh, dude, the tech on on Disney is unbelievable. I mean, we we only went for half a day. Like, that's all we need. Like, we're we, we've had enough, you know. But like, yeah, that's what I was rooting for. Instead, I got three days. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, it's it it is really incredible. I mean, and I and I've read articles about what they do behind. Like, they have a whole underground network of tunnels and headquarters under underground where they like. You know the the wait times are too heavy over here. Let's fire off a parade over there oh and, and attract people. Like it's crazy, dude. <laughs> that yeah. that's intense. We're going to the one in California, which I'm happy about. Disney World is like a oh, whole okay. city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were down some good weather. Cool. Nice, dude. Well, great to talk. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right, later, folks. Yeah.